Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. British scientists detect a mutation in a small number of cases of the UK coronavirus variant. The mutation reflects the same changes seen in the South African and in the Brazilian variants that have caused international concern. Several laboratory studies have found that vaccines and antibody therapies are less effective against the South African variant. Britain's Health Minister Matt Hancock says more work needs to be done to assess the impact of this mutation. We're working with pharmaceutical companies and with the scientists uh, to understand uh, both uh, whether um, the, such um, uh, modifications are uh, needed, where they are needed, um, and how they can be brought to, uh, to, to use on the front line as quickly as uh, safely possible. This is obviously a very important consideration given the new variants that we've seen. Um, and we have confidence that, uh, that modifications to, to vaccines, should they be necessary in large scale, uh, will be available in, uh, in, in more quickly than the original vaccines. And just as we did first time round, when we got in there early and we bought at risk, uh, so we are having exactly the same conversations right now with the pharmaceutical companies uh, to make sure that we are uh, right at the front. The UK variant has been detected in dozens of countries, including here in the Philippines. Scientists confirmed the 91.6% efficacy rate of the Sputnik V vaccine from Russia, giving the world another weapon against the pandemic. And as this report tells us, this is also seen as a validation for Russia as their vaccine's early rollout was heavily scrutinized. Scientists gave Russia's Sputnik V vaccine the green light on Tuesday, saying it was almost 92% effective in fighting COVID-19. That decision was based on peer-reviewed late-stage trial results published in the Lancet International Medical Journal. British experts were among those who looked at the data, collated by the Gamaleya Institute in Moscow. They agreed it meant the world had another effective weapon to fight the deadly pandemic. Their conclusions appear to justify, to some extent, Russia's decision to roll out the vaccine before final data had been released. Moscow approved the vaccine in August, before the large-scale trial had begun, saying it was the first country to do so for a COVID-19 shot. It named it Sputnik V in homage to the world's first satellite launched by the Soviet Union. Russian media reported the country will be able to vaccinate 700 million people with the Sputnik V coronavirus shot this year. Pfizer expects up to $15 billion this year from the sales of its COVID-19 vaccine. That's about a quarter of its expected total revenue for 2021, which is estimated between 59.4 and 61.4 billion U.S. dollars. These projections could still increase if the company signs more supply contracts. Pfizer's vaccine was among the first to be authorized for emergency use in the U.S. and in other countries, including the Philippines. So far, it has supplied 65 million doses of the vaccine globally. 
COVID-19 vaccines may arrive in the Philippines this month, but a survey shows only a fraction of Filipinos are willing to get inoculated. Rafael Bosano tells us why. An online survey by the University of Santo Tomas research team last month with more than 15,000 respondents showed more Filipinos agreed to be vaccinated once vaccines arrive in the Philippines. However, there are still those who say they aren't sure, while others say they don't want to be inoculated. The survey also showed that respondents have higher confidence in vaccines developed by the United States or Europe. 38.6% say they have confidence in Russia's vaccine, while a much smaller percentage of respondents said they have confidence in Chinese-made vaccines. Side effects from vaccines is a top concern among respondents. But Food and Drug Administration Director General Dr. Eric Domingo says all vaccines have side effects, especially after the second dose. From the first dose, it's like your body doesn't uh, recognize it yet. But during those first few weeks after the first dose, you start building antibodies. So pagdating ng second dose, mas malakas yung immunologic reaction. All of the vaccines, the second dose, usually they have, ano, no, they have stronger uh, side effects than the first dose. To date, only Pfizer-BioNTech and AstraZeneca's vaccines have been granted emergency use authorization by the FDA. Vaccines may start to arrive within the month, and it is important to be able to distribute this swiftly to priority sectors. Equally important is administering the second dose within the prescribed period. According to Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institute of Health in the U.S., countries can learn from their experience. I think one of the lessons that we've learned is that you've really got to have a pretty uh, well-organized, on-the-ground, local capability of getting it into people's arms. Because in the beginning, we had vaccines that were delivered and it wasn't an efficient process and there was a discrepancy between the amount of vaccine that was delivered and the amount that was in people's arms in some areas. Virus mutations occur naturally, but it needs to replicate in order for this to happen. This means the higher the caseload or the number of COVID-19 cases, the more opportunity for the virus to mutate. And following minimum health protocols will reduce the chances of the coronavirus from spreading. Rafael Bosano. ABS-CBN News. The Philippine Health Department reported more than 1,500 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday. This brings the total number of infections to over 528,000 with more than 30,000 active cases. 67 fatalities and 39 recoveries were also reported, making make that marking the second straight day deaths exceeded recoveries. The country's current case fatality rate of 2.06 is the highest since August of last year. The health department, however, notes delayed death notices contributed to the uptick in the death fatality count. Worldwide, 103.8 million people have contracted the disease. 2.2 million have died from it. Baguio City asks tourists who have planned vacations to the summer capital to hold on to their reservations for now. Baguio is still seeking permission from the tourism department to allow it to accept visitors despite the general community quarantine there. Tourism officer Aloysius Mapalo says the city is hopeful its request will be granted as public health protocols are in place for the visitors. Some 3,000 travelers have already been asked to hold their bookings. Mapalo adds the city's tourism industry will struggle to stay afloat if the ban stays. Yung pagtanggap namin turista when we started in October, 
I can say na trickles lang ang dumarating pa din eh. Hmm. It's not as uh, how we used it, uh, how it was used to be when uh, during pre-pandemic. Most talagang trickles. Uh, one or two or three rooms. Yung three rooms malaki na. And that is during the entire duration. Ah. What more now? That is why uh, medyo nasa panic mode lahat. Na. <laughs> and and uh, they are asking uh, all of this as you are asking me now kasi they are preparing also how to uh, uh, how, how to consider yung kanilang uh, employees and their staff. World News Now, the U.S. State Department will review its foreign assistance mechanisms after concluding that the military takeover in Myanmar constituted a coup d'etat. State Department spokesman Ned Price says the U.S. will continue supporting democracy and accountability. The United States will continue to work closely with our partners throughout the region and the world to support respect for democracy and the rule of law in Burma, as well as to promote accountability for those responsible for overturning Burma's democratic transition. Perhaps on Friday, we might do a Under U.S. law, a coup assessment automatically puts restrictions on assistance. Washington has not been in direct contact with the coup leaders in Myanmar, nor the detained government leaders. The coup is a major blow for the Biden administration as it aimed to forge a robust Asia-Pacific policy to stand up to China. U.S. President Joe Biden signs three executive orders seeking to reverse former President Donald Trump's hardline immigration policies. These include the creation of a task force to reunite migrant families who were separated at the U.S.-Mexico border by Trump's 2018 zero-tolerance border strategy. The remaining orders call for reviews of Trump-era policies. These include the Migrant Protection Protocols, a program that sent 65,000 asylum seekers back to Mexico while they wait for U.S. court proceedings. Another policy on legal immigration, which made it harder for poor immigrants to obtain permanent residency in the U.S., will be reviewed. I want to make it clear, there's a lot of talk with good reason about the number of executive orders that I have signed. I'm not making new law. I'm eliminating bad policy. Um, what I'm doing is taking on the issues that 99% of them, that the president, the last president of the United States, issued executive orders I thought were very counterproductive to our security, counterproductive to who we are as a country, particularly in, uh, in, uh, in the area of immigration. Should the Philippine Supreme Court step in, even without an actual case alleging a specific injury in relation to the Anti-Terror Act? This is the question posed by Associate Justice Marvik Leonen during the start of the oral arguments on the 37 petitions against the controversial law. All of the petitions against the law are based solely on its language and not on any claimed violations. Shouldn't we wait for the actual case? Maybe the ITA case is the actual case. Um, Maybe rural missionaries is the actual case. Maybe Gabriela is the actual case. Maybe this uh, DND accord with the UP, I don't know, might be the actual case. But we have to see how government reacts. When the law itself is clearly against the Bill of Rights, Your Honor, then it is not for us withhold really under expanded judicial review. My humble submission is that deference, judicial restraint ends where the Bill of Rights begins. 
Leonin is also warning against the dangers of the judiciary inserting its own political perspective into the matter. Personally, I truly understand the kinds of fears that you're undergoing, having undergone those fears myself when I was a public interest lawyer. I understand that. But with the hat now of a justice of this court and with this judiciary, I think it is correct for us to assume that we should be careful not to become a political department. Two other justices were able to interpolate the petitioners on the first day of the oral arguments. The proceedings will continue next Tuesday when the Office of the Solicitor General presents the government's side. One of the petitioners against the anti-terror law says while they appreciate Justice Leonin's line of questioning, the right to due process is enough reason to junk the contentious measure. Attorney Howard Kalia says no one deserves to be arrested without a warrant or to have his or her assets frozen without seeing a day in court. He stressed the anti-terror law should be junked before more people are prematurely designated as terrorists. Just mm -mm. my uh, understanding that a bill of law, a bill of rights have been uh, put aside, then that already is a case in itself. All of us are undiedly are against terrorism, but mm -hmm. the tool, this law, is only one of the tools. If uh, Senator De La Rosa says, "Sayang, kung meron na yung anti-terror law that have been prevented," but you know, in 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 combating terrorism, you have how many tools? And the law is only mm -hmm. one tool. Uh, part of that is AFP. Proper policing, mm. implementation, proper implementation, etc. Mm -hmm. et intelligence, intelligence. Yes. Yeah. So, the law is only one part, and we cannot uh, undermine civil liberties in favor of any other issue because civil liberties are sacred. They have to be protected under all laws, under all times, and under all circumstances. For the president of the Philippine Society for Intelligence and Security Studies, the anti-terror law requires authorities to establish a strong probable cause first before designating any individual or, or group as a terrorist. To prevent individuals and organizations from committing actual acts of terrorism and put to justice all personalities and organizations supporting, financing, training, and even endorsing and glorifying acts of terrorism. At least six Philippine senators call on transport officials to suspend the implementation of the Child Safety in Motor Vehicles Act. In a resolution, senators say the policy should only take effect once a set of clearer guidelines is issued. The resolution was signed by Senate Majority Leader Juan Miguel Zubiri, Senators Sunny Angara, Joe Villanueva, Sherwin Gachalian, Nancy Binay, and Grace Poe. Former Senator J.V. Herceto, the principal author of the law, also believes its implementation should be deferred in light of the current pandemic. The way it looks, Christian, even LTO Director Ginto, who caused all of this bruaha, I don't think he was really uh, informed or he even read um, the law itself. The use of the child restraint system or the car seat depends on the size, the weight, and the height of the child. You only use the car seat or the child restraint system when the child is not yet able to use the adult seat belts. The Philippines posted 1 trillion pesos or over $20.8 billion in investment pledges last year despite the pandemic. The Board of Investments says the pledges came from some 300 projects approved in 2020, including 
two large-scale power projects and a water supply project. These are commitments greenlighted by the BOI, which will turn into direct investments once they materialize. They are seen to generate more than 55,000 jobs. For 2021, the government expects investment pledges to hit 1.25 trillion pesos as it banks in more infrastructure investments, particularly in telecommunications. Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez says the passage of the CREATE bill will also help in attracting foreign investments to the Philippines. And that'll do it for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Play back this newscast too on ANC's YouTube channel and on ANC 24-7 on Facebook. Keep safe. Keep it here on the news channel.